0: I'm Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns. And
1: I'm Rebecca Hackmeyer, and I use she, her pronouns.
0: And you're you're listening listening to Rad Rad Child
1: Child Podcast.
0: Podcast. Okay, thanks for joining us for another episode of Way to Go and Room to Grow. Uh, Today we are going to be talking a little bit about intersectionality and sort of by nature of the intersection of it, uh, we're also going to be talking a little bit about privilege. Um, so uh, just in case you didn't uh, catch uh, the last episode, uh, I'm just going to read a quick uh, definition of intersectionality um, because it's a word, you know, that not everyone knows. Um So this definition is actually from a book that I'm going to be talking about called Intersection Allies, We Make Room for All. And in the back matter, there's a really great definition of intersectionality that I think is like pretty simple, uh, which is basically intersectionality is a word that explains how all the different parts of a person combine to affect their life experiences and personal identity, age, ability, skin color, religion, citizenship, body size, and culture all make up our personal identity and influence how we are and how we live. Who we are and how we live. Excuse me. Um, and there's a further, uh, further definition than that, but that's sort of the baseline um, that I thought was kind of a good general idea. Um, so, for example, right, like I have, you know, most of us have many intersectional identities. So, like I am, um, you know, a queer person, and I'm also um, a person, a disabled person, and I'm also, you know, so like those those kinds of um, those kinds of things that are just all our all our different identities. Yeah. Um, before we start, Rebecca, do you have anything to add to that? No, no. I'm Okay, uh, cool.
1: Yeah, that was
0: well said. (laughs) Well, that's because I read it from a book and didn't take (laughs) it from my head. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, but anyway, so... So yeah, I guess um, I'll just jump right in and talk about this book, um, which I absolutely love. I actually found it uh, in a local bookstore called Drawn and Quarterly, which shout out to Drawn and Quarterly. They're an amazing bookstore. They often, um, I often, every time I've gone there, I found books I hadn't heard of. um, And that's actually where I found the Love Your Body by Jessica Sanders. Uh, It was the same trip that Mm. I found this book called Intersection Allies. And not only the last time I went there, I think it was... I don't even know if it was during Pride. Like, I don't even think it was a Pride display. They just had a table that was all like LGBTQIA books for kids. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) Um, So if you're in Montreal, definitely check them out. Um, I think you can still order books from them now currently. Um, And they have an adult bookstore and a kids bookstore. Uh, but anyway, enough enough about Drawn and Quarterly. This is just my ad, my free ad for Drawn and Quarterly. Um, but so this book is called Intersection Allies We Make Room for All. And it has several authors. It's by Chelsea Johnson, Latoya Council, and Carolyn Choi. And it's illustrated by Ashley Sell Smith. Um, and so all of the uh, authors are women of color, um, which I, I thought was awesome. And I thought, like, for a book about intersectionality, it was nice that there were multiple authors. So it wasn't coming from one perspective um which i i really appreciated and this was published uh by daughter press and um in 2019 so it's fairly new and we love we love daughter press right thank you i'm like i don't know if that's how i pronounce it so thank you i mean i i don't totally know either but i know that (laughs) um what else have they have they i don't remember it's uh uh not my idea a book about whiteness oh oh yeah i forgot that Grandma you Anastasia have Higginbotham's Anastasia Higginbotham's books, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm bad with remembering publishers, <laughs> unless they come up a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot. Um, but anyway, yeah, definitely check them out. So this book is basically it's uh, a rhyming book about a group of friends and sort of their differences and in their intersectional identities. Um, so uh, there's um, I don't know why <laughs> I'm looking at my notes like why did I write that. <laughs> um so there's sort of this beginning kind of mantra like it sort of shows the uh you know the friends and uh, sort of talks about some of their differences and you know they're they just um they're kind of playing and then there's sort of this mantra that is in the beginning of the end of the book that says where there's room for some we make room for all friends can be allies no matter how small um and then there's just a lot of different, uh, as we go through sort of the different stories of the kids and how they kind of intersect, um, there's, you know, a character who is in a wheelchair, there's a character who uh, is from a single um, single parent family, uh, and they also talk about, right, like they talk about the first... Kid, and then they talk about the second kid, and they're like, Oh, like my, you know, they come over after school, and they're, you know, because like their parent is still working or whatever needs the support, and so they talk about this kind of community support, which I really like. Um, there's one kid who's gender non conforming, uh, there's also um, a kid who wears a hijab, and I'm going to uh read this page just because I really liked it. Um, it and before so just because it references this character kate um and kate is the the kid who's gender nonconforming, and so on this page we see um this uh little girl wearing a hijab and she's getting ready she's like tying her laces of her ballet shoes and she's doing ballet uh, on the next page and so it says my name is adila and just like kate what i wear inspires endless debate some give some chance some sing some pray my hijab is a choice you can choose your own way Um, and it just shows her uh, doing ballet and then it says uh, on the next page the clothes that you wear never justify hatred clothes can be playful simple or sacred covered adorned or with casual flair my body's my own I dress it with care Um, and so what I really like it kind of reminds me uh, of Just Ask by Sonia Sotomayor in the way that the stories intersect like really Like we'll be talking, right, we were talking about Kate and how, you know, Kate wears, you know, is gender nonconforming and wears clothes that, you know, maybe some people don't get, get what's going on there. And then we're shifting to talking about the next character, but it's, you know, we're connecting it to the last character. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's done because I think sometimes books can, that could be like, books like this can be like, okay, here's one one thing and one thing and one thing and one thing. And they're all sort of disconnected. Um, and I like that they are talking about different things, but they're weaving the stories together. Um, so they also, um, talk about, uh, there's a little black girl and so they, uh, talk about race, right? And they're basically, um, they're watching the news, um, and, uh, let me just find this page. Um, this is the right oh that's not the page i thought it was Hmm. oh so in the in the page that they're talking about race um it's a little black girl and they're sort of watching the news and then on the next page it's her sort of standing with her arms crossed in front of like the national guard um which is like a really strong image and those pages say my name is nia and with what's on the news it's easy to be frightened or seeing the blues for her for them for him for me we all deserve to breathe and be free And then the next spread of pages is um, it's like all a bunch of different people at a protest. And also what I'm noticing as I'm looking at this is it's a lot of um black and brown people and with like sort of a smattering of white people Mm. um which i appreciate uh Mm -hmm. and it says the color of our skin is no reason to hide we protest for safety equality and pride our friends join along in solidarity and love this is the stuff that allies are made of so it's like basically a black lives matter protest but there's they're also showing that they're you know allies there there's like a kid holding up a big sign that says ally um and there's kids holding up all different all different signs um And then there's also a character uh, who is a water protector. There's one character who um, all of the text is actually in Spanish because that's the the language that she speaks at home. Um, There's one character who's an immigrant from Korea. There's a character who's a refugee. Um, So there's just like all all these different sorts of uh, intersectionalities and identities. I'm just going to, again, I'm looking at my notes I should have looked this over before i did this today um but there's there's one other page that i wanted to read and it's this beautiful page that's like all these different hands um of different colors and one of the uh, two of the hands have henna on them some of them have like nail polish just all these different hands Uh, and it says race religion citizenship class and ability each of these intersects to form identity age gender size and skin color too can make life uh, can make living life different for a friend uh than for you um and then well i'm actually going to continue this barriers and biases are often to blame we strive to be equal but not all the same life's ups and downs can take many forms but standing together will rewrite the norms and then it repeats that sort of mantra where there's room for some we make room for all friends can be allies no matter how small um and so i I love this book. Um, it was one of those books that I immediately like saw it. You know, when you see a book and you just hope that it's as good as it looks like it's going to be. <laughs> um, I had that moment when I saw the cover of this book, I was like a book about intersectionality and it did not disappoint. Um, it has, as I sort of mentioned, as I was going through the book, it has super diverse illustrations and this really beautiful um, style of art. Um, it's like I said, it's that kind of combination of like a narrative and informational text. Um also, also similar to like it feels good to be yourself in the way that they did that book, um, and there's extensive back matter. Um, like I said, there's it starts out with like what is intersectionality. It has a great uh, lengthier definition than I read, and it even and then it has moments in the back matter, which I thought was interesting because back matter isn't often. Um, directly talking to the reader and so there's questions in here like take a moment to think about your own experiences and identity what are some of the things that make you you right think back to the parts of who you are that make you you which of those identities come with privilege how can you use your privilege to be an ally or to a friend right so it has these discussion questions sort of in the text in the back which i think is really cool there's also a great i'll share this on um on social media on uh, instagram at least but there's also this really great venn diagram of intersectionalities um that has sort of different identities and kind of explaining uh what visually what that means and then there's even a page by page discussion guide so like for every single page there is a little paragraph discussion guide um and then there's also information about the authors uh, and the illustrator in the back as well there's like a it's really cool spread of like all all the books that inspired this book so it's like a stack of books but it's all real you know on the bindings is all the books that oh that's cool yeah it's really you know it's just a really great book um and the back matter just like makes is that extra like pow um and then what was i gonna say ba, ba, ba that I mean that's yeah that's about it as far as that one I don't the only room to grow I have for this book is I want more books like this <laughs> <laughs> That's nothing to do with this book I just would love more books about um, topics like this like privilege intersectionality these kinds of like tricky topics um, and done in a way that like I feel like because there are characters in this book you can connect more than if we're, it was just like this is what intersectionality is you know what i mean mm-hmm. um like i was talking about in that same way they didn't just ask in that same way that they didn't it feels good to be uh yourself um yeah i just i really like that i feel like it's for those kinds of topics i feel like it's a really good melding of um you know sort of styles um so yeah right uh, yeah it was a really it was a really good one um The next one I want to talk about is for slightly uh, younger uh, kids, and it's called We Are Little Feminists' Families. And this is actually, I recently discovered this. um, I think it was on, probably on a Facebook group, one of my um, many children's book Facebook groups, Um, but somebody recommended this to me. And basically, so uh, Little Feminist Book Club is a, like a subscription box, kind of like shift book box. Um, and they do, uh, you know, again, sort of like the same kinds of things that we talk about, but they don't, uh, unlike us, they, they don't have themes. It's just sort of like, here's a good book. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but in general, they're, they're really good. Um, and they basically, they sort of did a survey and they with their uh you know with their um, readers and they were like hey so what kinds of books are your kids liking and with the young young kids they really enjoyed books that had pictures photographs of real families and real kids and they were like and then it just kind of happened where we ran out of good books like that (laughs) there were none left um so they just made some, and so they made a series of books called "We Are Little Feminists." And the one I'm going to talk about today is "Families," but there's also "Hair" and "On the Go." "Hair" is about, as you can imagine, different like textures of hair, um, and uh, "We Are On the Go" or "On the Go" is um, about different uh, kids with different abilities uh, and sort of different ways of moving around in the world. So definitely um, check check them all out; they're great. But what I what I liked about the families book um, was basically, oh, let me. Well, it's by, I mean, the author, the author is literally just Little Feminist. That's what mm-hmm. it says, because um, I guess they collaboratively sort of worked on it. And then the photographs are by various folks. Um, and then there's uh, in the back of each book, there are uh, credits for for those. Uh, and it was published in 2020. Um, but basically, it's just a short little board book showcasing different kinds of families. So it is short enough that I'm, I'm just going to read you this book. It's one of those days. It's Storytime with Seth Day. Um, mm-hmm soko's family is tall shoulders that i can climb dance parties anytime big belly laughs we can share silly faces without a care all our love piled up in a heap a comfy place for me to sleep sticky treats dripping down chins goofy show all my teeth grins strong hands holding me steady many hands helping get me get ready jumping high jumping up high and free counting to the beat one two three holding me close as i grow family is love from my head to my toes so it's just this cute little like rhyming almost like a poem um and so in it in of itself like it's very simple right but what i love about it is first of all like i was saying it has real photographs which as someone who works with young kids they are like captivated by picture especially if babies they love looking at other kids mm-hmm. and babies um but any book we have like that they just like stare at um uh, out of all of these so there's about 14 pages out of these 14 pages there are about two to three like straight cis presenting families um which i was like yeah yes great (laughs) we already have that representation (laughs) um so there's like just great across the board there's great representation there's like multicultural multiracial families there's a pregnant trans man um actually tristan reese who was on the podcast previously um there's a Muslim family so there's just like all kinds of things going on and there's lots of intersectional identities as well like um there are like queer people of color um there are uh there are two kids who are um, people of color and also gender nonconforming. um there are you know people of size there are people who are older um so it's like all all different kinds of people um which is what I love about all, all of their their the three books honestly is that it's just like uh, a variety of different kinds of people and different ways of expressing yourself, and I I always love a book when I open a book and like the first family represented as a queer family, I'm like like we're not hidden in the back somewhere. <laughs> um, so yeah, overall, I really I really like this one. I again don't have a room to grow, um, which is awesome. Two books in a row. I don't have anything to say about. Right. Um, it's just like yay, we're getting there. We're doing something's happening here. <laughs> um but yeah both of those i really liked um so those are more for like the intersectionality and then i wanted to talk about two that were more about privilege um because sort of like that um like they were talking about in in intersection allies like there's there's definitely this intersection between intersectionality and privilege um where a lot of uh, you know those identities have a lot to do with oppression um and and things like that where we need to sort of examine which of our identities come with privilege um, and things like that. So I wanted to talk a little bit about privilege as well. And uh, the one, there's one book that I really like. It's actually funny. I reached out to this is um an a kid a kid's book about book, and I reached out to them and I was like, hey, can I have a review copy of a kid's book about privilege? And they were like, sure, here you go. And then I was looking at my bookshelf and I realized I had already bought it. <laughs> <laughs> uh but anyway so uh this book is a kid's a kid's book about white privilege um and it's by ben sand and uh there as you'll you know if you've heard me talk about these books before there are no illustrators because there are no illustrations uh it's just words right it's like I'm graphic curious. yes words. yes exactly um but i'm curious who who does the graphic design they right. should get credit that would be shouted out Yeah, as now, now that my wife's doing graphic design, I'm like, hey, why isn't the graphic designer on here? (laughs) No, for sure yeah but i'm so i'm not sure who, who does that work but someone definitely does uh and that was published by a kid's book about in 2020 so it's very recent and basically it's uh as you can imagine by the title it's a book that breaks down what white privilege is um so it starts by talking about skin color and how sort of how we call people you know white and black even that though that's not really like the color of our skin right um And so there's, there's like a page where it's like, hold your hand up to this page. Like, is your skin white? Like, no. Um, And it sort of like explains, explains that. And then uh, I I like the definition of privilege that they, because first they talk about what privilege is before they jump into sort of white privilege. And so they explain privilege as when someone has an advantage they haven't earned. Um, And I like that as sort of like a very simple explanation. And uh, it was actually really interesting when we were talking about this in the last episode, um, uh, Kim, uh, our gu- our guest Kim was talking about this example of that I really, I really appreciated, which was basically imagine there's a jungle gym. And some kids are tall enough to reach it and some kids aren't tall enough to reach it. And it's, it's not the kids, either kids fault that they're tall enough to reach it or that they aren't tall enough. But the fact is that some kids have access to it and some kids don't. Mm -hmm. and i was like i love this idea that like because i think sometimes when you say privilege people get really defensive and they're like well i didn't do anything and like it's you know so i like this idea that like it's just about having an advantage that you haven't earned it's not about um you know whether or not and they get into this later but like it's not about whether or not your life is hard it's not about like all these other different things that's just it at its simplest form um and so it defines white privilege as when people uh when people who have wait a minute, when people who are white, there we go, words, when people who are white have additional benefits, advantages, and fewer barriers to overcome than people of color. So again, I feel like very simple, clean definitions, um, which is what I like about these books in general. Um, And then it gives examples of like big and small privileges. So for example, like, seeing yourself represented in the media is one of the examples they give, and right to like, to a white person who is represented in the media all the time you might not even think about that or notice that but like they were like imagine if like no one in your favorite show looked like you or so it sort of breaks it down to a kid's level um and then they sort of further define white privilege as things you don't have to worry about that people of color do um which i appreciated sort of that furthering of that definition and then uh basically they they also talk about how having white privilege doesn't mean your life is easy um which i Again, I appreciate that because I think that sort of is uh, some people's first reaction, um, and not to say that you should go up to someone and be like, "You have privilege." But like, when someone's like, "Oh yeah, you you know, you exp- you have white privilege or whatever," people will be like, "No, I don't. Privilege doesn't exist because I grew up poor or I grew up that." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this book tackles it really well because the author themselves came from a lot of, uh, you know, intersectional, you know, different backgrounds of like, they um, grew up in poverty, and they grew up in this and that. And they were like, okay, but there were still things, advantages that I had, because I was white, regardless of those things, right. Um, And so I, I appreciate that they sort of broke that down. And, uh, and they basically encourage, um, sort of towards the end of the book, they're like, okay, like, you have privilege, like, what do you do now? Um, and they sort of encourage acknowledging your privilege, and instead of like, feeling bad about it, uh, you know, like using it for good um and so i i really like that i liked that it gave um sort of tangible examples like i was saying that that kids can understand another one they gave was like imagine if you couldn't find a band-aid that was the color of your skin which like band-aid just this year was like we're gonna make band-aids and other skin colors and i was like do not pat yourself on the back for that it is 2020 seriously <laughs> like people have been other colors literally forever like don't act like you No, you don't get credit for that um even when i was a little kid i used to ask my mom why they only came in one color like so even as a kid like i was aware of that um but anyway uh so so i really liked again that they gave these sort of kid-friendly examples and um and they were also saying that i like they were like when we use our privilege for good we shouldn't expect a reward it's just the right thing to do (laughs) and i was like yes correct (laughs) right I I think that's a really important, uh, a really important, um, oh my gosh, I don't know, idea, thought. (laughs) I am, y'all, I'm having a day today. My (laughs) brain is not having it. Um, But anyway, uh, the only thing that, it's less of a room to grow and more of something that I was a little confused about. And maybe you have, you might have thoughts about this, but um, they were also, in addition to using your privilege for good they were like you should give up white privilege and i was like i don't understand what that means and i'm an adult reading this book like like to me the idea of like giving up my privilege is like it doesn't exist anymore
1: and like right, it's important right. so I feel, for it to exist but does that connect so you said that they furthered can you go back to the definition because there was yeah. a 2
0: definition yeah so basically the definition was uh, when people who are white have additional benefits, advantages, and fewer barriers to overcome than people of color, mm-hmm. white pr- uh things you don't have to worry about that people of color do, and I'm just trying to find exactly what it says.
1: Was that that was the second part? Things you don't have to worry. Yeah. About? So I think yep. um, right. So like that, like, right. So I think that that is a poorly worded idea that one can give up their privilege. Yeah. And, but what one can do is give up the rewards they have reaped mm. through their privilege, right? Okay, like okay. That, okay.
0: You know, that makes it. more sense to me. But I was like, as an adult, I was like, what does that mean? I don't understand this. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think that could have maybe been developed further if that, I that was their they intention. Kind of
1: tried to reap, the, I'm sorry, they kind of tried to um, wrap in the consequences of privilege, like mm-hmm. in the definition of privilege itself yeah right like in that kind of two-part definition and so now they're saying and you need to give that up but what they really mean is you need to give up the kind of the, like the benefits the benefits
0: yeah no that makes so much more sense than giving up my privilege which is like what <laughs> um i don't think it works like that i don't think i can it's not like taking jesus into my heart i can't just be like i give up my white privilege i extinguish my white privilege <laughs> That means I no longer have it, right? Yep, I don't have it. <laughs> it <worked> out, right? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that makes thank you for uh that because that makes a lot more sense to me. <laughs> um and so so yeah, I really like that one. Again, I, I generally like a kid's book about books. Um and so uh so yeah, I think they're they're really good for, you know, slightly older kids and really with for intentionally having a discussion about that thing. Um Like it's not just a casual book you pull off the shelf for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I think that, I mean, they're made with the intention of having that discussion. So, Um, but which I, which I love, right. I think that it's great. Again, we talk about this all the time, but it's great to have sort of books that run sort of the gamut of a casual book that then you can be like, You know, like Pilar's Worries is the one that's coming to mind where it's like, it's just a a book, you know, a narrative book about a character, but like we can then pull out things and be like, oh, you know, do you ever feel like that? Or how do you, how can we cope with feelings like that? Or you know what I mean? Where you can like pull it further as opposed to books that are just like, this is what we're talking about. Um, And I think that, that, you know, it's great to have that whole rainbow of books. (laughs) Um, And so the last book that I want to talk about before I quickly mention a couple of honorary mentions um wait, is... can we, yeah can oh we yeah
1: go um before you jump into that yes. like because I think the other ones that you have are kind of more represent representate like uh uh incidental representation yes. right mm-hmm. rather than kind of our instruction books mm-hmm. um so before before you jump into the incidental representation yes. particularly because mine are also about incidental representation mm-hmm. um do either or do any of the books that you've talked about so far mention Peggy McIntosh no as one of the resources maybe in the back.
0: Oh, maybe in the resources? Let me check the back of this one.
1: Just because um, I, I do want to give a shout out uh, to a couple of, of folks who have been kind of working on notions of white privilege and intersectionality um, for a long time before we move forward.
0: This um, and bless.
1: one is Peggy McIntosh, who is um, the author of the 1988 essay, Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack.
0: Mm.
1: which has a lot of that um, kind of those ideas that um, privilege is turning on your television and seeing representation Mm -hmm. of yourself without giving it a second thought. Like knowing that the people in your workplace likely share your like religious and spiritual background, you Mm -hmm. know, like sorts of that kind of checklist is from um, is from her essay unpacking the invisible knapsack.
0: Oh wow. Um, I did not know she, that. It is not mentioned in the back of Intersection Allies. Yeah, and um, she
1: is um, the founder of the National Seed Project on Inclusive yeah. Curriculum and is a uh, you know, an anti racism activist and um, senior research scientist for the Wellesley Centers for Women. So she's kind of like um, a, a long <laughs> in the field who was kind of i haven't dug deeply into like whether folks see her as doing a lot of deep intersectional work but she is someone who was talking about white privilege like back in the 1980s
0: wow that's awesome i i love i love people who like i always think this is a side track to probably cut out but i that's what i always think is interesting when i think about politicians and i look at like i just hate politicians and politics and all of it but i think it's interesting when you look at politicians and it's like oh did you like decide that you were okay with gay marriage because everybody you know because that was like the popular idea or were you always fighting for this thing you know what i mean and that's what that's what i love about bernie sanders this is my plug for bernie sanders and this thing that's going to be cut out is that like there are pictures of him like like you know getting arrested at like you know like (laughs) at like uh protests for all kinds of things his whole life um and and so i always think that's interesting about like i don't know again this is like a weird tangent but um, when people are like no i've been like t- talking about this thing forever yeah, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to people who just kind of wishy-washy like oh yeah i'm, I'm for it now because otherwise people aren't gonna like me <laughs> but it's amazing to see that people have been doing this kind of work for a long time
1: yeah
0: um. but it's bad that they're not getting the credit for it <laughs> So well, thanks yeah, for giving I, the credit.
1: And so I also wanted to share two quotes that I think really help mm-hmm. uh, help understand like kind of that intersection between intersectionality and privilege. Um, and let me know if either of these is like already t- totally reflected and I'm being redundant in the books that you've talked about, but I did want to mention it. And one of them is by... Um, uh an activist she is um a nigerian american and i just want to make sure i pronounce her last name correctly um her name is lovey ajayi mm-hmm. and um she uh, has some ted talks that have to do with like being comfortable getting uncomfortable Um, And one of the, something that she says is being able to live without having to be defined by your skin color is the hallmark of privilege. Mm. Um, And so she is a black woman who said that. And the other person I want to shout out, because I actually, it it is so funny because I was like, he cannot be the first person who said this. Like he cannot (laughs) possibly be the first person who had this idea and like put it in these exact words. But you have to give a shout out to Jimmy Kimmel of all people. Okay. Who said? I,
0: I met Jimmy Kimmel once. Did it was you? Fun. Yeah, we talked about me being a trans nanny. It was it was fun. They didn't put it in the show, but yeah, we we went to a a like a showing when we were in LA. We went to yeah, it was fun. Anyway, <laughs> it was nice.
1: <laughs> okay, we need we need more. We need more about this and just <laughs> do think that like over the course of at least even just this past year I feel like Jimmy Kimmel has gone through he's like awakened a little bit like yeah kind of getting it but he said white privilege doesn't mean your life hasn't been hard it just means the color of your skin isn't one of the things
0: that makes it harder Mm -hmm. yeah I've heard that before yeah
1: and I know that other people have, have said iterations of the same thing and I'm like frantically googling them and trying to like give them the- <laughs> but I will say that a lot even like on the ACLU um I like someone on uh someone kind of uh, accepting an award given mm-hmm. by the ACLU um Reggie good gosh I'm going to have to like find the tab and it's probably gone but even basically, even he said, like, recently, I heard it quoted. And he said that I'm like, he's quoting Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. Tell 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 the listeners a little bit more about meeting Jimmy Kimmel. Um,
0: yeah. So when I, I once had a job uh, in New York, in New York City, uh, working with a family who was quite wealthy and they wanted were deciding if they wanted to be bi-coastal. And so they took me to LA with them for a month, um, uh, to see if they liked it there. And, uh, because, uh, they were very nice and, uh, very generous and it was my birthday month. So they surprised me and flew cat out <gasps> to meet me there so, and then gave me a week off, uh, to spend with her. Uh, and so we, um, I was trying to, you can basically go on websites, uh where you can be like i want to be you know in the audience of whatever show and i just like applied for a million of them and we got jimmy kimmel uh
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know ones that we were interested in and mm-hmm. uh and we went there that's where i lost my nice swiss army knife because they took oh, it yeah. when i and we forgot to get it on the way out because cat was having a panic attack and i was just like ah we gotta go uh, <laughs> i was just like i was just like you know bulldozing through the crowd like ah, watch out for my wife's having a panic attack you move um but anyway uh so we we went and in the i don't know if they, they were asking like who had come from far away and so cat raised her hand because she was still living she was living in montreal at the time well she still lives here she's living in montreal um and so she raised her hand and they were talking to her and they were like oh who's with you and we were chatting and i don't know how we got into the topic of me being a nanny um but we were talking about me being a male nanny and he was very nice I, they, it didn't get on the show and you can't see us in the, the thing but we were there. <laughs> I promise. That's so fun. But yeah, it was. You know, that was it. It was nice. I should have said something funny, I guess, and got put on the show. But I'm not funny enough.
1: Sometimes <laughs> you gotta, you know, say what's real.
0: I know. I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so on that note, I guess I'll jump to my next book. um yeah. Oh, so so this is my my last official book and then i have a couple of honorary mentions but um because the ones that i was talking about before were more literal you know um, sort of just like this is what it's about uh and this one is a little bit more um you know it's a story uh and it happens to uh you know kind of touch on on these themes so it's called jacob's eye patch and it's a rather this is sad that this is old now it's like it was an older book it's from 2013 um, and uh you know so I was kind of surprised I hadn't heard of it uh and it is by um Beth Kobliner and Jacob Shaw and illustrated by um Jules uh Pfeiffer who uh also illustrated um Bark George which is one of my favorite silly kids books um and it's also illustrated by Jacob Shaw as well uh they tag teamed it um first of all if you haven't if you don't know about Bark George it is a ridiculous silly book and it is great for story times and you should read it um Anyway, so it was uh, published by Simon and Schuster in 2013, and basically, it's it's a book about this little boy named Jacob who wears an eye patch, and his mom is taking him to the store after school. Right, it's like after school, and they have plans to go to the store to buy this light up globe that he really. Uh, you know like a globe of the earth and you know but like all these things keep coming up and like everywhere they go like first uh first they have to go like pick up his older brother and then they have to go meet their dad for ice cream and then they have to do this and that and he's like come on like there's only one left they're gonna run out you know so that's sort of like the running theme of this book and everywhere they go people are asking questions about his eye patch. And he's like basically he's like, generally I don't mind asking questions answering questions about my eye patch, but like I am busy. Read the room. Um like I don't want to answer questions now. And but you know, but then like but like my mom was answering the questions and then, you know, this person was like, my sibling was answering the questions. And, you know, so the whole time he's just like, listen, I don't have time for these questions right now. And, but the whole point is like, in general, he doesn't mind answering them, but like, this is not the time. And, and so eventually he does get to the store and they, and they, um and he gets his globe. Well, first, first he shows up and it's gone and he gets very upset at all of these people that had to answer, ask these stupid questions. Uh, but then his sister had gotten there early and bought it for him so it was all okay but then once he has his globe a little girl asks about his eye patch and he's like happy to answer the question now because this is an appropriate time to ask a question (laughs) also it is a kid and not an adult like you should know better adults um but anyway uh so so that's sort of like the gist of the book um i i like it because it has i think it sort of incidentally talks about ability privilege um and this idea right that like i don't have to answer a million questions a day about my like i have invisible disabilities so like i don't have to answer a million questions a day usually about my disabilities um and so i think it sort of gives us a window into that World and like how, or and like, I think you can also translate that, you know, you can have that conversation and translate that to other things, right? Like, it must be annoying to be asked about being trans all the time, or like if you're a boy or a girl, right? Or like all the, you know, all these different, whatever, you know, um, mm-hmm. like different kinds of things about different identities. Uh, I think you can kind of, you know, make that bridge. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I also like talking, you know, you can talk about that idea of like, First of all, like not every disabled person wants to answer your questions. <laughs> and like also there's a time and a place for those questions, right? Like that's one of the one of the things that my friend Charlie who was in the episode about visible disabilities said. He was like, "Listen, if I am sitting on the train doing nothing, I don't have headphones in, I'm not reading a book, you can come up to me and ask me a question. If I am rushing somewhere, don't ask me why I walk funny. Like leave me alone, <laughs> you know." Um and and so I I never saw that represented in a book before and I really uh, so i really liked that my only room to grow is that it is very white um the only person of color in the book that i could find even in the background was the little girl who asks him the question at the very end there might have been a, like one or two others in the very in the background background but i you know mm-hmm. it was very white um because you know you can't no intersectionality you can't have two things at once <laughs> um so so that was uh kind of my only gripe with that book but overall i really liked it and again it was the first book i saw that kind of tackled that asking of questions that um you know people with differences get um and so i appreciated that that conversation um and then i just have two quick uh honorary mentions one is a book that we've talked about already um which is my footprints by baofi uh and I wanted to talk about this because um, you know, we, we sort of talked about it in detail in our, uh, I believe it was a sexuality episode, um, sexual orientation episode. Um, but uh, I like this because it's not only is it a, you know, it's, it's about um, a little girl who is Thai. She's from a multiracial two mom family. Um, and so we're getting like queerness and we're getting like, people of color, multiracial, you know, multiracial family and queerness all in one book, um, which is a great, you know, just intersection of, it's just like, yeah, that's a person who exists in the world, right? Um, But happens to have intersectional identities. Um, And so I liked that as sort of an incidental uh, representation of that. And then there was another book, I actually, um, I subscribed to PJ Library, um, which if you are um, a... Uh, person of the jewish faith or an educator it's also cool for educators to subscribe um pj library is a uh basically this awesome uh, initiative um where they will send you uh, a book for uh, the child or children in your uh in your life um every i think it's every month um uh i sometimes i feel like they come more than that but Anyway, it's funny because I, uh, you know, I sort of emailed them and was like, hey, I'm an educator. I'm not Jewish, but I'm an educator. Like, is it okay? And they were like, yeah, that's fine. Because uh, I didn't want to take the books away from people who needed them. Wow. Um, but uh, but it was funny because then I needed to sign up and they were like, what's your kid's name? And I was like, uh, so my bunnies get books from PJ Library. <laughs> 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 Meredith and Winston are full subscribed. Um so yeah, they get they get mail now, uh. But anyway, yeah. So that's just a side note for PJ Library. It's a great initiative, and definitely definitely check them out. Um, but anyway, they recently sent me a book, and I was I don't know why I was surprised by this. Um, I guess because the books I had gotten from them before had been, uh. You know, and again, it's only been a couple of months that I subscribe, but they have been like fairly white, and you know, hadn't had too much uh, intersectional intersectionality in it or things like that. Um But. It, not to say that they don't do that, because in the past they they have lots of really great lists about books like that, and they have. But like my experience with them hadn't been like that, so I was kind of surprised when I got this book. You know, when you like you're you're looking at a book and you're like, is this a queer family or are they just friends? Like, what's <laughs> going to happen here? Um, but there's this really there's a book that they sent me called um, Havdala Sky. And uh, it's uh, it's by Chris Bar- Barash, I believe I'm saying that right, and illustrated by Sarita Rich. And basically, it's a poem for the end of Shabbat. If you don't know what Shabbat is, uh, it's basically sort of like the Jewish rest time during the week. Um, and it's also, you know, sort of a, a sacred time for some some families. Um, and, uh, but what I liked about this book, you know, it was just sort of like this sweet little poem, but it was a two mom family and an interracial family and they were Jewish. And I was like, yes, you can be all of those things. And like, it had nothing to do with, with this, you know, it was just a nice poem for Shabbat, but we got to see this representation of like a multiracial two mom family. Mm. Um, and it was just really sweet. And I, you know, again, I don't know what the sort of intention was but i read one of the moms as being indigenous um which i which i really really liked and i I liked that it was you know uh sort of ambiguous where i feel like different people could kind of put their identities in there and be like hey like that mom looks like me or you know whatever Mm -hmm. um but uh but yeah i really so i really appreciated that um which is just like i love when there's just incidental representation of things (laughs) Like I, I really dislike this idea that often happens in media where it's like, you can only be one, like you can't, you know, be in a wheelchair and have a hijab or you can't, you know, have a disability and be a person of color, right? Like you right. can. And the
1: thing that makes you marginalized is going
0: to be the problem that this story yeah. is about
1: to solve or. Yes. You know, like, and exactly. I'm so glad that we've moved away from like that. That's no longer the only way that we see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it is like, like when we talk about a book like Jacob's Eye Patch, like that book, it is important to have books that are talking about, like, right. He, you know, has a disability and we're talking about that disability and that's, but, and that disability causes some tension in the story, but like, really, this is a story about a kid who wants to get a globe. <laughs> like, he's just like, come on guys, I don't have time for this, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and, the, and
1: the conflict yeah. or the, uh, the tension, uh, what is it called in the story? Like the, I guess it is the conflict, right? The conflict yeah. is yeah. caused by his disability. No it's not that he can't see the globe because he, you know, he's <laughs> one only, or he's got how to say that. He has sight in one eye. It's like the conflict is people
0: being like inconsiderate of him. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, but I, I'll that to say that I think it's important that we do have books about, you know, like, uh, you know, a, a specific identity like that. But I think it's also important that we just, have a we can have a character who's doing whatever and also happens to be whoever. You know what I mean? Like like I can be, you know, it can be about a little girl in hijab who's like going on an adventure in the jungle or like whatever. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be the fact that and then, and like, right, we have some great books about what is a hijab and uh, why do people wear hijabs and those are super important, right? But also like you could just be a little girl wearing, wearing a hijab doing whatever. Yep. You know. Um, so I think that both of those kinds of books are really important. And I think moving away, you know, I feel like we have a lot of those books now that are like, this is what's happening. It's okay. Um in the same way that I feel like we, you know, with like uh Heather has two mommies, for example, was one of the first very popular books like that that was like, It's okay to have two parents that are the same sex. And like that was really important when it first came out, but like we're kinda over that now. Um like we have those books, uh, and we, uh, you know, we don't need more books like that. Right. I think in certain categories of identities.
1: Well, yeah, and I appreciate that now there are explainers, right? There are mm-hmm. kind of formative books on more nuanced identity mm-hmm. intersections um, that were not even on the radar of publishing. Oh,
0: totally.
1: But now, so now we can, and so hopefully we'll continue to move the spectrum so that now all of those identities are you know become the incidental representation with more regular even though i know
0: it feels like it it always works like that right like first we need the like this is what it is and this is why it's okay and then we can like kind of get some incidental representation and (laughs) you know and then it moves on to the next identity right it feels like it works so slowly in publishing (laughs) like we can only do one thing at a time um oh my gosh the thing that i'm waiting for is size representation because that is the thing i feel like every book i read i'm like where is it (laughs) yeah and and i think it's you know this is again a kind of a tangent but like i think that's because we've talked about this before where like it's still seen as like a bad thing i'm using air quotes or like a choice like you're the reason you're like this and it's a bad thing and like we don't want we don't want to represent kids like that because it's unhealthy um or like right it's just like this whole weird stigma and like gross weirdness and like regardless and i've said this before and i will say it a thousand times regardless of the fact whether you not you think something is right you're still gonna see fat kids in the world <laughs> like they exist and they deserve representation
1: 100 percent.
0: like whatever that identity is like you're st- and i say this about like queer families all the time too i'm like we're, regardless of not whether you think it's okay to be queer like you're still gonna meet queer people mm-hmm. we are everywhere <laughs> um
1: <laughs> it's really good to, this, to know how um how social justice is woven in and size representation is woven into um the curriculum in like art institutions mm. you know like yeah. the folks who, are, who are, are are becoming
0: our our artists and our illustrators like what sort of mm-hmm. lessons are they well taking
1: away i can
0: that? tell you when i went to art school we had one model his name was tony he was the only model we ever had. He was a middle-aged white man. And well, that's not true. We had one other woman who was cool. She had like a bunch of tattoos. So she was fun to paint. Um, but that was it. The, I was just like, I literally was like, where do they get these people? It's like, they just go outside and they're like, anyone want a model? Like, right. I was like, and you, you can like No, I have other stuff to do right now. Right. They were like two white people. And usually it was Tony. And one time it was the other girl in my, in all of my painting and all of my drawing classes that I ever had. I just painted one guy. Right? Like what what a way to what a
1: way to really hammer hammered hard the idea that like white is the default.
0: And, like art learning how to oh, create God. this on your, you know, with your media. Yeah. And I I had this moment. It was I had this moment when I was drawing a a character, <laughs> side note. I was drawing a character that I was playing in Dungeons and Dragons and the character happened to be of Indian descent and I was like drawing him and trying to like do research on like what those features look like and what different things you know and I realized that I had never drawn a person of color Mm. my life I was in my mid-20s and I went to freaking art school And I never drew a person of color. And I was like, what the what? And so I specifically, I did a a series of portraits after that where I was living in New York City. And I would stop people who I just thought looked, you know, cool or interesting or whatever. They were visually, you know, interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, All different kinds of people. And I would stop them and on the subway usually and ask them if it was okay if I took a photo of them and explained that I was going to paint a portrait of them. And they'd be like, yeah, sure. One person said no out of 50 people. Um, Most people didn't care. And, uh, and one person, oh, it was so sad. She was so beautiful. And she was like, no, my gosh, you look terrible today. And I was like, shut up. (laughs) You look great. (laughs) I just asked if I could paint a portrait of you. You don't look that bad. Um, but anyway, uh, so, so I did this where I intentionally wanted to paint people of color and people of all different, like, because I was like, I never had that opportunity in art school. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and at that age, I didn't know that like, I should. I could seek out, right? I could either A like complain about it, <laughs> be like why do we only have one model and why is he this? Um and B like that I, you know, in my personal projects and things that I could have been working on those things, right? Um and that also reminds yeah. me of all of the um all of the outcry right
1: now and kind of the calling out of how poorly lit women of color are black women are like on magazine covers Ooh, i and hadn't then, heard about like, this styled like um there was a big issue with uh the way that kamala harris was presented in the like oh. the issue of um gosh it must have been like was it vogue um i'm, now I'm gonna look it up <laughs> uh, because it was really uh maybe it was time no no it was vogue um, okay. for her styling and like her lighting on Vogue, and then there was also like Simone Biles, I believe, was really okay. oh, again maybe also on Vogue was like incredibly poorly um, poorly styled. Wild. Oh, poorly um, styled. Violet Davis on Vanity Go Fair. Ahead. There's been like issues with. Um, actually, I should double check that Vanity Fair wasn't um, wasn't getting accolades for it. Um, okay, no. Actually, no. Vanity Fair. Strike that. Um, there is a lot of appreciation for the way Vanity Fair handled um, or like mm. lit and presented Viola Davis. Um, on the other hand, there was a lot of um, frustration with the way that Simone Biles was photographed for Vogue. And there's a lot of talk about like just um, white photographers not knowing how to um, how to light and photograph black mm. women.
0: Well, that was one of the things, again, this is like a total tangent, but I don't know if you've ever seen the new Queer Eye on Netflix, Um, but Jonathan, who does hair and makeup and skincare and that kind of stuff, is a white, uh, well, no, they're non-binary, excuse me, uh, but they're a white person, and um, they uh, always, if they are working with hair they're not comfortable with, they will get a barber or they will get someone who knows how to work with that hair. They're like, listen, like this is not my specialty, this is an awesome person who knows how to do this. And like, I always appreciated that. And like, like they'll watch them as they're working and sort of like learn and whatever, but they'll admit like, Hey, like, I don't know how to, I'm not going to like mess up your hair or pretend that I'm the expert, you know, with this texture of hair because I'm not. Um, and I really appreciate that they do that. Um, and that they, you know, hi- they, you know, kind of highlight um, and showcase these other, uh, you know, hairstylists and barbers and people who specialize with that stuff. But anyway. Oh, that being said, I'd love to hear about your books. <laughs> <laughs> One last
1: point. I do want to say. Oh, yeah, that, tell me. No, I just wanted to say, it looks like there is a little bit of um, contention around this picture of Viola Davis on Vanity Fair, oh. um, but that has to do with um, the way that maybe that she's been styled as like a darker skinned ah. black woman versus how she might be styled if she were a lighter skinned black woman. Oh. So but this is some, This is an art. This is an art thing too, right? This is not just a narrative thing. This is not just a text thing like um this is this has to do with cultural shifts in all of our institutions, including um, the way that artists uh, learn their craft right?
0: absolutely, right? Because, like if I'm going to school and I'm drawing a bunch of like skinny white people, like and then I'm an illustrator, like, how am I supposed to know I'm gonna go with what I'm comfortable with and what I know how to do, right? You know exactly. what I learned how to do
1: hmm Okay. Um, so let me go ahead and pull up the right tabs so that I can tell you a little bit <laughs> that I want to feature.
0: Um,
1: and so what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to revisit two books that I have spoken about before on this oh, podcast. Just to kind of give them a shout out for their intersectionality, mm-hmm. um, and and just to mm-hmm. remind folks to revisit these texts with that in mind, and to kind of call attention to that um, as you read, and then I'll talk about one that I that I want to kind of focus on today.
0: Amazing. So,
1: um, the first book that I want to that I want to celebrate for its incidental representation and intersectionality is King for a Day. Um, By Roxana Khan, who is a Muslim author and storyteller who was born in Lahore, Pakistan, and um, uh, immigrated to Ontario, Canada at age three, um, whose works all uh, have this really joyful energy that what she says about her works is many times you pick up a picture book and it's either poignant or funny. Why not have both? And that is kind of like a theme throughout her stories. There's always um, a really wonderful, uh, like buoyancy and lightness to her works, even when she's talking about something more intense or something more poignant um, in her stories. And so, in King for a Day, um, it is about the cell, the festival of Basant, which is um, it w- which celebrates the arrival of spring. And it is, the, uh, it is the kite, like the kite flying festival in uh, that takes place in Lahore. And during Basant, the people of Lahore move to their rooftops and everyone flies kites and they end up kind of f- using the kites to battle each other. And so you win when you kind of cut the string of the other kite and the other Can kite. Can I
0: just jump in and say like... As someone who grew up in the United States as like a white person in the United States um, and, you know, also like an Italian person, uh, we and also now living in Canada, we have like no fun holidays like this. Right, like, I don't have any fun holidays like this. Like my, the most exciting holiday is maybe like Christmas, I guess that I have because I get I get presents and that's right. the most thing that's exciting about it. Like I don't Easter, I guess when you're a kid, it's fun. There's an Easter egg hunt right but it's Um, all very passive right like yeah it's sort of like there you go and you yeah
1: fireworks I want a kite battle yeah for real and I will say (laughs) I read a really interesting um I read a really interesting interview with the illustrator of this book I should mention it was um this book is illustrated uh oh my goodness where is my information um I'm like scrolling 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 um, by Christiane Cromer, who is um, originally um, from East Germany, but um, lives in New York City. Um, I read an interesting um, interview with her and she said that in her research, um, a lot of what she could find and kind of uncover and images of this kite, um, kite flying festival is like men, right? Mm. So like it seemed at first to her to be this very like male centric event. But I think that through further research or kind of uh, digging in deeper, she realized that no, no, children and women like all kind of play a role in this day, and this story written by Roxana Khan, who has like experience with this event, Mm -hmm. uh, also tells it from the perspective of children.
0: So we're
1: going to trust.
0: Yeah, it's so it's so interesting when like you're trying to find representation of something or just like be like oh like what does this thing look like and like the representation that you get isn't always representative of what the thing actually is yeah like, you, know?
1: You, know, you know can I tell you that makes me think of this tangent um I really tell me um I was listening to another podcast how does this get made um with Paul Shear and Jason Manzukis and June Diane Raphael and on one of their mini um uh, jc Manzucas was talking about one of the new star wars like properties that i am not at all well versed in but the mandalorian but uh, well it was maybe but the character that he was talking about was maybe son. Mm-hmm. i don't
0: Thorn. know enough
1: about it. it wasn't thor it wasn't thor. <laughs>
0: you know enough about to know
1: right. He said basically, but what he said that made me think of what you just said was that this character, I guess, in order to understand a, a culture, in order to like defeat a group of people, he studies their art. So he studies, he gets huh. very invested in studying the art of a culture as a way to understand like the way they might approach a battle. And like, hmm. okay, and I thought that was just really fascinating. Huh. Um, and also kind of reminds me of what we're talking about, which is like, what what does the art in this country represent? What does it show? Yeah. Our beliefs and our value systems and yeah, totally. our values, right? Um, so anyway, Ugh. back to the, back to the kite flying festival. Um, and you know, I, I just any, anytime I can mention Jason Manzukis, I'm gonna mention Jason Manzukis. So, <laughs> um, anyway, keep it in cat. Um, I so this story is a, the the funny thing is okay. So this story is this kite flying festival, and it literally is like blow by blow the 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 fight between um, Malik's kite falcon and like this bully and his fi- his ba- his uh his kite um to become kind of the king of basant right and then and it's blow by blow talks about these kites flying like kind of like an action sequence in a movie like
0: a I love sequence. that
1: <laughs> uh, and my son was riveted by this uh by this scene and then at the end the real kind of um climax of this story is maybe that that he defeats this bully with this kite. And he is, the Yay. King. but then the denouement of this story is that the bully reappears and tries to take a kite from a little girl. And Malik is up on top of his roof, you know, cause he's that's where he's been flying the kites. And um, he ends up sending her down the kite. So that this little girl who's being bullied actually gets this special treat that she kind Aww. of, kind of like, delivered her from the sky Aww. Um, yeah and the cool thing about this book is that it takes place in um in Lahore so it in it so all everyone is people of color um, and the other thing is that Malik it uses a wheelchair and oh it, my
0: gosh I love that I think I remembered that
1: right and it but it's something that is um I don't think it's even referenced once oh it is God. just. Um, yes. part of who he is correct identity um and the story is not about you know oh no how am I going to get up to the roof to fly my kites because I <laughs> like no 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 like this is like an amazing story about two kites battling each other and the protagonist <laughs> just happens to use a wheelchair and it's phenomenal uh so yeah, I think we should put a we'll put a interview the interview with the author or the illustrator in the show notes. It's an interview between the author and illustrator, which is kind of cool. Um, and yeah, uh, that is one book that I definitely want folks to take a look at. With an appeal, I love
0: that kind of incidental representation yep. where it's just like literally it's not even mentioned.
1: And that is right, and that is um, and that kind of like visible disability. Right, like it, we rarely see it as incidental yeah. representation. Like we're seeing it a little bit more, but it is still extremely underrepresented. Underrepresented, particularly to have it be completely incidental.
0: Yeah, so I love that so much.
1: Yeah, um, and the other book that I just want to give a quick shout out, and I won't go won't go back into it because we kind of just <laughs> I just talked about it recently. Was I dissent? Um, uh, Just so
0: you know, Kat was recording that episode and she paused it and went into the living room and was like, we need this book. Uh, <laughs> I <was> like, okay. <laughs> okay.
1: Um. Yes. I, I sent Ruth Bader Ginsburg makes her mark, which is, you know, as I mentioned last week or last time we were together, written by Debbie Levy, um, illustrated by Elizabeth Baddeley. And um, of course, and was the winner of the Sydney Taylor Book Award and the National Jewish Book Award. Um. And it, you know, is the biography of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who, um, who had that intersectional challenges of being a woman at a time when expectations for women were very different from what, or mainstream expectations for women were very different from what she wanted her life to look like, and um, was a Jewish woman. You know, was a Jewish a person of Jewish faith, and so also was living at a time when anti-Semitism uh, was rampant, as it continues to be today. I uh, was gonna say, right? That is not of the past. Uh, gosh. Yeah. And so, just taking thinking about thinking about that book um, with an eye to which I know the book does a beautiful job of kind of calling attention to that—that that is more part of the narrative. But um, just I wanted to shout that out as a book that that has that great um, intersectional representation and talks yeah. about the way that. Um, kind of is a great companion to some of these stories that talk about intersectionality more, um, uh, more overtly. Right. Yeah. Because You can think about in what ways, in what ways Ruth Bader Ginsburg had privilege, right. She has white mm-hmm. privilege. She has a lot of class privilege. Um, and in what ways she, um, was a part of a marginalized community.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I think that, um, I- i mean you know i don't know that uh i think sometimes we forget i guess is what i'm trying to say that like women are a marginalized community in a lot of ways <laughs> right Right, and not to like say that you should like tell some little girl like you're you know you're gonna get shit on by life and you're oppressed but, like you know what i mean i think that especially like and this is a period piece of like in a specific time not to say that women you know are not still you know oppressed in a lot of ways today but um you know what i mean like that this is a piece where like at that time it was particularly difficult to be a woman in this particular position um and and i think sometimes we i don't know like i almost forget about that as an identity um But like that, it's like, which is ridiculous. It's because I don't see gender. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um,
1: (laughs) Well, no, because you know what? I think, and I I think that the reason that we disregard it, like rightfully so, is that um, white women can often use uh, their status, as we've seen, their status as a woman, as a way to just be, to to be fragile, right? Like,
0: like Mm
1: -hmm. claim Oppression and kind of claim marginalization yeah, to a totally. degree, um that is not warranted given the levels of privilege that come from being white.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, and, and particularly, and
1: I think, oh, go like, ahead. So, you know, now, right? Like, at, at, at the same time, like Ruth Bader Ginsburg was the second person, the second woman ever appointed to the Supreme Court in this That's country. That's wild. Right? Like, we only now have have a woman who is vice president yep we still have never had a female president right like so yeah uh yeah totally there's still room to grow in this country mm-hmm. just a little bit a little smidge just a, just a <laughs> um and so but i do want to give a so the kind of book that i want to focus on a little bit more specifically today and give a little more love to um, is a book that is the biography and a celebration of one of kind of this country's earliest intersectional activists. Um, and that is uh, Sojourner Truths Step mm. on Stride, written by Andrea Davis Pinckney, um, illustrated by Brian Pinckney, and published by Disney's Jump at the Sun Books
0: in 2009 um oh 2009 so this book is ancient right do you wanna <laughs> do you wanna laugh I, I that's when I graduated from high, high school preschool high school high school okay
1: 2009 like, you're such a baby you're
0: I know I knew you were gonna say that I'm a baby, baby. no I'm old and I'm falling apart I know wow <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And the funny thing is that we,
1: I know we laughed last week or a couple weeks ago when you were like, oh my gosh, this ancient book, it's from 2012. Um, yeah. but this book, actually there are some, there are some, uh, some languaging in it that I think would probably have mm-hmm. been differently if it was published today. Gotcha. It talks about, um, it's from the perspective of Sojourner. So I do think that maybe it, it works in this case, but it does talk about, um, her master, um, Right, talking about a slave, like an, an enslaver, mm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: referred to as master, um, in this book, um, and there are just a couple of of things that I think that um, might yeah, be it would, have been,
0: would have been different if it had been published more yeah. recently. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, and so, though, I do what I want to do first is just tell you a little bit about this book. Um, and a little bit about Sojourner Truth, right? So Sojourner Truth, as the back matter tells us with some um, with some information, um, was born in Ulster County, New York in 1797. 1797. That's a little
0: older than when this book
1: was published. Just a little bit. <laughs> That's what old looks like. Um, and uh, she um, grew up, um, enslaved and ended up uh, being freed by um, orig- one of the one of the one of her enslavers, promised that he would um, grant her her freedom or that she would work toward her freedom um, right around the time that that slavery was um, kind of being abolished in the north because she lived in the north. Um, but ultimately he rescinded on that, but she was purchased by a Quaker family. Who uh-huh. did ultimately grant her her freedom? Okay, but like, what a dick! Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: let's 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 just say it goes without saying that all of the enslavers in this story are dicks. Yeah. I, I mean, I just imagine Sojourner Truth being like, "No taxi backsies," right?
1: <laughs> um, and so she, the amazing thing about um, Sojourner Truth is that she was an abolitionist. And also was like a, like a woman's rights activist and yeah. actually used her intersectionality. Um, and I shouldn't jump to like spoil, but like really called upon her intersectional um, experience as a black woman and as an enslaved woman um, to kind of say, hey, all of, you, all of you people who are saying that women can't do this and women can't do that, um, because they're female because of their constitution as women like what what the fuck <laughs> like,
0: that's that's what she literally said after she said the no takes me the back, back. That, well, and the funny these are th- direct quotes
1: is, yeah, like, huh? well the funny thing is that actually um what's included in this story and what kind of the um the myth of that moment is is that she said ain't i a woman and like ripped hmm. over her shirt and revealed her breasts at some points <sighs> Uh, And so the the speech has been, has come down in history with the refrain, ain't I a woman? But the funny thing is that in fact, um, Sojourner Truth actually, well, she was, um, when she was born, her first language was Dutch because she lived in New York. Um, That's wild. Yeah, right? And so- um, uh, she likely did and the original kind of transcription of this fiery speech did not include that refrain. So that someone took poetic license and kind of took <laughs> messaging and gave it like a southern spin, which is really interesting. That's but so um funny.
0: yeah, so so um so what the I love f- when <laughs> history remembers a thing that's like totally just not what? Right, right. Like like the fact like when we were talking about um thanksgiving uh like how squanto's name was literally not squanto it was t Squantum. and they were just like that's too hard it's squanto now right <laughs> and like history will forever remember him as squanto yeah well that's what we do we <laughs> oh, um god we appropriate and we
1: other and yep. we um yeah re-identify I think there's a word there that I'm missing that actually means all of that at the same time (laughs) we do that all the time and it's really bad things so maybe yes so okay I take back (laughs) I take back that I paraphrased it as what the fuck but that was the overall (laughs) message um okay and so this story um I just want to start from the beginning and read a little bit so you get a flavor of mm-hmm. Andrea Davis Pinkney, um, who is... Uh, Andrea Davis Pinckney and Brian Pinkney are a husband and wife, like a uh, picture, picture of house. It. They've published like 20 or 30 books together. That's a lot um, of books. He is the son of Jerry Pinckney, who is a Caldecott award-winning, multiple times over um, illustrator. Um, and so she is also an editor. I think she currently is with Houghton. So, um they are like legacy and also like fantastic like creators um and they do a lot of work celebrating um black joy um and Love so it. i think yeah and so actually i should say one of the reasons i wanted to sh- talk about this book today is because i think it does a beautiful job um we're recording this in february it is black history month um but this book does a beautiful job of um being about a historical figure but really not being about um Bring about black joy and black excellence, um, and the way that I said it to myself. And I'm going to read to you what I wrote. And I realize my like writing voice and my talking voice are very different. <laughs> but I write. Um, I write. I wrote to myself today. Both Andrea Davis Pinkney and Brian Pinkney infuse joy into their storytelling, even when they are discussing or depicting hard truths. In this way, the books that they write, that they create, are not about enslavement or about the history of civil rights or abolition or the suffrage movement. Readers will need other resources to provide context about all of those movements and what they struggled for and against and why. Instead, the Pinckneys highlight the stories of specific individuals and call attention to their excellence and their values. Um, yeah
0: I think that's so important and it's something we don't talk about a lot because personally um, I like I can totally admit this that uh, when I was um, spoilers we're preparing an episode for Black History Month uh, we'll see if that actually happens I don't know if it doesn't happen cut this out cat. Um, but uh, and I was asking for recommendations from folks and uh, and it was gently pointed out to me by some folks that you know because uh, I had put kind of some examples of what I was looking for, books about uh, you know, like, I mean black history. Um, but unfortunately, right, a lot of black history isn't isn't so happy. And um, what they were pointing out was especially for because I gave an age range, I was specifically looking for like younger readers and they were like, you know, it's really important for especially for younger readers to be like, you know, focusing on stories of black joy. Um, and I think that's something that is is really, really important uh especially not to say that you can't talk about these things but i like what you're talking about where it's like it's not like they're not you know they're glossing over the hard parts but they're kind of like not making it about black suffering exactly if that makes sense it sounds like at least from what you were saying right right and so
1: i know so i'll read a little bit to give you the flavor of what i what i yeah
0: give me Um, that flavor
1: yeah it says um She was big, she was black, she was so beautiful. Her name was Sojourner. Truth be told, she was meant for great things. Meant for speaking, meant for preaching, meant for teaching the truth about freedom. Big, black, beautiful, true. That was Sojourner. Um, And then it begins, you know, Sojourner was born a slave, her master named her Isabella, and gives her... um, uh, Sojourner's mother, Mau Mau Bet, and her father, James Bonfrey, took a first look at their child and decided to call her Belle. Seems her newborn's cry was ringing in good news. Nothing quiet about that girl. Um, and she grows up. She's almost six feet tall. Um, and she is you know, very capable um, in all the work she's asked to do or not asked to do, the work that she is forced to do as a someone who is enslaved. Um, she's actually sold away from her parents when she's nine years old. Um, and so it talks about these hard things, right? And it says this was the ugly way of slavery. Bell hated being treated as property, and she hated shucking, boiling, hauling, and working all day for her master John Dumont. Um, and so she it just talks about how she works um, harder and harder um, because he promises her her freedom. Um, and then ultimately he doesn't honor his promise, and it says that's when Jerk. Belle had to run away. In search of freedom, Belle ran. She fled like tomorrow wasn't ever going to come. She covered some ground, child. She got gone. She refused to stop until she saw hope. Um, and what isn't included here is that she actually escaped with her infant daughter. Oh. Um, and then she
0: ends up at the. I love the rhythm of this book. Yes. A good definitely.
1: rhythm. And the energy, Brian Pinkney. Um, his his line, like his, it's very like loose line lots of color, um, a lot of energy, Mm. um, just really, it's not, it's not painterly, right. It's just very loose, um, and very vivid. And, um, yeah, just again, kind of this infusion of joy and momentum to the story. Um, as she, she ultimately gains her freedom and, Moves to New York City and works and makes money for her work. And that's when she changes her name and begins to travel and speak her mind and uh, do work as an abolitionist. And then ultimately also as a woman's rights activist.
0: I I don't know why it like... I don't know. This is just now occurring to me. But the fact that like you would name your slave like they were a pet.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: like is wild to me. Yeah. Like that. Oh. Like, I don't know. It just like struck me right now. Like, like that someone named her like, was like ah, I don't like your name. Like a pet. Like when you adopt a pet and you're like that name, I don't like it. Let's give you another one. Right. Well, it's about all, of,
1: all of this. Every all of those in- examples are about stripping a person of their identity right like when we when we say we can't pronounce someone's name so we're going to ask them if we can nickname them this other thing it's stripping them away of their identity their Mm. agency and their own like self truth well not their self-truth they hold their self-truth yeah it's not respecting no their self-truth at all um so i would just want to read a couple more pages and then i will um We will not do a full story hour. Story time with Rebecca. (laughs) Says Sojourner carried her books, her book with her everywhere. So now she's published. She's published her book. um, The Narrative of Sojourner Truth A Northern Slave." is published in 1850. Um, it's written by Olive Gilbert or, you know, um, who works with her to, to get her narrative down. Related to Kat. No, just <laughs> Maybe, right? Um, Sojourner carried her book with her everywhere. She spoke about the unfair treatment of black people and women. When Sojourner preached, she let her words fly. Free is the highest dub in the sky. Free is the sky itself. Um, and that Sojourner's voice was packed with power. As she traveled, she learned even more about the meaning of freedom. She found that freedom is not a place. Freedom is the fire that burns inside. And In Sojourner Truth, she was full of fire. Mm. Once, when Sojourner was scheduled to speak at a rally, someone threatened to burn the to burn down the building. That didn't stop Sojourner. She said, "I will speak upon its ashes." Yes. Um, and so she step stomps into a woman's rights convention. Um, and the main question there is, should women have the same rights as men? And there is a man saying, a minister saying, that men should have superior rights and privileges. Um, men should be able to boss women around because Jesus had been a man. Uh, and, what? And then she... And that they're too weak, you know, they need someone to
0: hold also have you a side note, they clearly that person never saw the Tumblr post that explains that if Jesus in fact was from a uh an immaculate conception, he would be an intersex person, trans person. So exactly,
1: right? Well that's what
0: she, <laughs> So that's there you go, I uh, preaching in seventeen, whatever.
1: That's what she says. She says, I'm skipping a couple pages. She says, um, Okay, Sojourner took each man's belief and slammed it down like a nail. Her yes, Sojourner! Ruck a hammer's blow to the podium. Bam! She said, you say women need to be helped into carriages and lifted over ditches? Nobody ever helps me into carriages and ain't I a woman? Bam! <laughs> down came Sojourner's hand. Yes. Smashing the lies of the day. Look at me, Sojourner went on. I have plowed and I have planted and I have gathered into barns. No man ever had, uh, no man could head me. Ain't I a woman? And now this is great. Uh, this, this is what aligns with that point you just made. Now Sojourner was ready to preach her beliefs about what the Bible meant to her. She spoke yes. to the man who told of God's will. Where did your Christ come from? She asked. From God and a woman. Man had nothing to do with him.
0: <laughs> yes! Uh,
1: and so this is just, and the neck, these spreads, it's just these close ups of her, and like there's more and more intensity in her face, and it's really powerful. Like Brian Pinkney has done a beautiful job in these spreads. And then she, like, and then she says all of this. And it says, and that was the truth. Sojourner had spoken the honest to goodness. She was ready to step and step. She did her size 12s hit their stride off. She walked big black, beautiful. True. That was Sojourner. And it's okay. just her walking out the door while all of the
0: white people look as- like totally agog. <laughs> okay. But here, listen, I can hold suspension of disbelief for all of this. How do they know our shoe size? right that's a good did point. they no, even I, have shoe no. sizes this that way and 17 No, i'm kidding well, are, <laughs> this is what happens though i watch something and that one thing bothers me and i'm
1: like oh it used to bug me um there's a book <laughs> called do you remember that that movie it's not there's not a book called that was the wrong the wrong sentence starter for that <laughs> the movie about the um the sex worker the um in venice you know what no. i'm talking about no idea oh there's this amazing movie Okay. Uh, what is it called? Yeah. Um Googling Venice Sex Worker. Sex
0: worker in Venice. Movie.
1: <laughs> she was uh, a uh, what is that? Um what is the name of that word? Not concubine. She was a uh, um oh uh, geez. This is ridiculous. Um no, no. Veronica Franco. She oh, was a courtesan oh, in Venice and there was a movie in 1998 called Dangerous Beauty which is about mm. the life of Veronica Franco the, the, the uh, 16th century courtesan Okay. and in that movie at one point one of the um, someone uses the word mesmerize they say you will uh-huh. mesmerize him and I was like that word didn't
0: exist then oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's like there's a part in Hamilton where uh, one of the characters said, I said shout shadow from the rooftops, and that is the first time they said it. No, you didn't say it. Like, you can't just say, I said a thing, but not say the thing before you're saying that you said the thing.
1: Right, not say the thing before you said you said it.
0: <laughs> I'm right? glad you get me, <laughs> Rebecca. I'm with you. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, I did spoil this book because that is the last spread. It's her just walking with her head held high out the door. And there are photographs, Bye. photographs actual photographs of Sojourner Truth. And maybe we do know her shoe size because of that. <laughs> but um, and that's the end of the book. It's just I like a piece and she just walks out the door. And I,
0: freaking I love that because then people can't even get a word in edgewise. You're just like, that's it. Bye. Here it is. Boom! I also love that this book
1: doesn't have, um, it's about this moment, this like, um, you know, this climax of kind of her, in some ways, one of the climaxes of her life, like this, this, uh, mm-hmm. monumental speech that has gone down in history. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also like, there's no ending because the work wasn't over, right? Yeah. Like she walked out the door that day and that's like a great end point on that scene. But like, she went on to just continue to yeah, totally to power. Um, I love that. Yeah. And I love that she used her intersectionality and her experience Mm -hmm. uh, as someone who was enslaved to like... Uh, call attention to the bogusness of the arguments
0: that they were making about I, rights too i mean this is a 100 a different situation but i just love when someone's like this group of people can't do this and you're like i'm literally doing it like <laughs> there was just one time where i had nail polish on and i was teaching a class uh, at a museum and a kid walked up to me and said boys can't wear nail polish and i just held my hand in front of her and was like but i am um <laughs> <laughs> like and, and that was out just like sojourner truth <laughs> the extent Yeah, and I left the class and there's hot glue (laughs) guns and scissors and small children. Um, But at the same, that was the extended version of that story is uh, so I was kind of like getting into not like an argument with a child, but like, you know, we were kind of going back and forth. She's like, that's for girls. And I was like, you know, no it's not like, it's for anybody and and like so we were kind of going back and forth and this, like i don't know he couldn't have been more than 12 like maybe nine to 12 this this kid stands up and he goes he's just living his truth leave him alone <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh thank you and she did she like went and sat to, i was like oh, well, that's what i needed apparently was one of your peers to be like go away
1: right and i love that you just said that like john mulaney would say it
0: i say everything like john Mullaney. it's a problem <laughs> i i love that man and i hope he's doing okay me too oh my gosh uh and on that note <laughs> no, 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 no. yes we're done books so
1: yeah what did you say
0: oh that's your books those are my three books go hooray visit those to celebrate intersectionality Yeah, and definitely i mean i would also like challenge everybody to look in the books that you have and see you know what kind of intersectional identities you can you can find and think about and you know i think it's important when you're reading whatever book it is to think about like oh you know there's this character has intersectional identities and how is that affecting them you know
1: right and uh, if none of your books show any intersectional identities then yes. you might need to add to your bookshelf in mm-hmm. which case check out shiftbookbox.com <laughs>
0: oh my gosh yes definitely do that um what was i thinking oh also uh i just want to shout out that if you uh you know, are interested in, in shift book box and getting cool things, you can also do that on our Kickstarter, which is still happening. We're actually uh officially 100 percent funded, technically Ooh. 103%. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're still uh accepting donations for another month uh because we have some goals, some stretch goals, like uh being able to do transcriptions of our episodes for deaf, hard of hearing, and folks with other mm-hmm. access needs. Um, as well as what are some of the other things? There are other things maybe brain is right now um transcription and other things that i can't think of right now because my brain hurts um but yeah we're so um if you want to help us oh our book drive that's what it was uh, also funding our book drive where we help get books uh kids books into the hands of folks who need them so uh so definitely check out our kickstarter you can do that by going to www.kickstarter.com and just search radchild podcast season three and one of the uh rewards is that you can get your very own shift book box and those mm-hmm. are going real fast so uh definitely definitely check check that out there's some uh, there's so many cool rewards you can get custom illustrations by children's book illustrator um lloyd jones who's been on the podcast before you can get there's like dance classes there's like music time with me if you have if you don't hear enough of me already um and there's uh, there's even like physical stuff like buttons and stickers and all kinds of cool stuff so definitely uh check it out you can get stuff for as little as a dollar so do it <laughs> um but yeah and other than that uh i guess that's it so yeah well i guess we'll uh, we'll see you next time sounds good this was fun all right it always is <laughs> it's you know how can you not have fun with seth and rebecca <laughs> don't don't tweet at me if you're not having fun um <laughs> <laughs> okay bye bye and remember stay rad